0: From the verb innovare, which means simply to innovate, to reform, or to change. But what is innovation? It's often tough to define, but we know it when we see it. It's a new idea, creative thoughts, new imaginations, methods, theories. It's bettering ourselves. But we take these actions often out of necessity. So what if we could harness the scrapper mentality, the hustler, the actions of those who are just trying to survive and put it into everyday use? This is my passion project. I've attended some of the world's largest innovation conferences, developed the latest and greatest technology and produced change within organizations who were built on and preach tradition. Now I'm here to help entrepreneurs and everyday individuals make small changes and establish a new normal through new methods, ideas, and standards to change your life forever. I'm Roy Edwards and welcome to the Innovare Project.
1: I welcome you to
0: Innovare. Yeah, this is where we innovate. This is the podcast where changes all made. Can I in then you're dying. Innovation is the key to surviving. This is Inovare, where we scared to make that change and create a new way. Uh-huh. If you're ready to learn and sit back and just chill, it's about to get real. This is Inovare. What's up, guys, and welcome into another episode of the Innovare podcast. My name is Roy Edwards, and I'll be guiding you through the next, oh, 40, 45 minutes Through this podcast interview that i did with a guy who is when you think of side hustles this is the guy he literally wrote the book on how to become a side hustle millionaire and the side hustle millionaire that's the name of his book go look it up buy it on amazon and so guys i can't wait to dive into that conversation but first if this is your first time here welcome this is the Innovare podcast or the Innovare project and Innovare stands for innovation. And so here, this is the podcast where we help individuals innovate, change and increase a mindset towards productivity and success. I am not a guru. I'm not a life coach. I am not any of those things. I'm just a guy who is big in innovation and decided to start a podcast to serve others. That's all this is. This is not some grand venture of me trying to be the next guru. I'm not your guru. I want to make that very, very clear. But one thing that uh, could help me as I help you would be if you could please and thank you, go subscribe and rank our podcast. Uh, If you do subscribe, it helps out our rankings tremendously. We want to stay in that top 100. I believe last I checked, we were... We were at 89, which in technology podcasts. So we want to climb those rankings. We don't want to fall. So your subscribes and your ratings and rankings, those help. Everything helps. I don't want to ever charge for this thing. Like I said, the Innavari Project is here to help others and really help myself. Every time I do one of these podcasts and every time I do one of these interviews, I I learn a lot myself. So I would be uh, I'd be lying if I told you that I wasn't also doing it because I get a lot out of it and I love it I love what I'm doing here and hopefully you guys love it too and so that really gets back into today's conversation the side hustle millionaire a lot of times in the entrepreneurship community you'll hear people talking about having you just have to go all in and while this is extremely true you do have to go all in and, and you do have to you know give it your full effort It doesn't mean that you have to start out by simply pulling the plug on your past career or your current career. And the same is true with personal development. If you're trying to go after a goal, that doesn't mean you have to quit cold turkey. In fact, this could hinder more than it helps in both business and in your personal lives. If you think about smoking, it's very unlikely if you try and quit smoking cold turkey that you'll be successful. That's why there's the patch. That's why there's the gum. That's why there's tons of different things out there to help smokers quit because if it was as simple and as easy as simply pulling the plug and quitting cold turkey and throwing the pack out the window and he never smoked again, everyone would do it. But it's not that simple. And leaving your career or developing a new habit or changing something about yourself is exactly the same way. I myself am a product of the side hustle. I did not start capital presence on a whim it wasn't like a I filed LLC quit my six-figure job and then automatically became this successful entrepreneur which defines successful entrepreneur I don't know I capital presence is doing well uh, we're still alive and I make more than I did before but you know you be the you be the judge of who is successful and who's not that's where the side hustle comes in develop your side hustle nurture it And then you can step into it. You can pull the plug and you can dive straight into it. But that doesn't mean that you have to just because you see it on the internet, just because you see it on the entrepreneurship communities where people are just starting from nothing and diving full on in. A lot of those same entrepreneurs had side gigs. A lot of them had to because they had to support themselves in some way or another. They had to support and pay for rent because they weren't taking money out of the business. That's how we started was I was still working as a 1099 for other organizations while standing up capital presence. Other people within capital presence were getting paid, but I wasn't. And I was funding capital presence with money that I was getting from a 1099. I was loaning and and putting in ownership, funding, opportunities, whatever it was. I was trying to pump up my – at the time, it was a side hustle. Capital presence was a side hustle for – about a year, a year and a half before it was really like, you know what we could do? We could do something here. This could be a real company. And it was just an idea. But from that idea, I took it seriously. It was never like a, a hobby. There's a difference between a side hustle and a hobby. A hobby is one that you don't necessarily intend to make money off of. So you, so by nature, you don't take it as seriously. A side hustle Well, first off, you're going to see the word hustle in there, which in all definitions means that you're working very hard at something. So just because you're doing it on the side doesn't mean that you're not going full speed. I want to make that very, very clear. I did have capital presence as a side hustle to start, but I was going full speed whenever I wasn't working for somebody else. Whenever I was not in that nine to five, that eight to six, whatever it was, and it led me staying up extremely late. I still have a habit of not going to bed until about two o'clock in the morning because in those early days of capital presence and when I was developing my own you know, DJ career and radio career and the thought that the career that I thought that I was going to take through college, I stayed up extremely late. I, w- I wouldn't get home sometimes till 4 a.m. And since I already had those habits moving into a side hustle where I had to work these long days, it, it wasn't that big of a deal for me. But what I'm trying to say really here is don't be afraid to make it a side hustle. But your intention should to be doing it full time. Otherwise, you have a hobby. Know that. But there's no shame in additional income. There's no shame in small changes. And we're going to get into this conversation with Tony as he left the oil and gas industry, which who does that? Right. That's about as crazy, if not crazier than what I did. I left the software engineer the government industry which I could always go back I'll just be completely honest when I left people were like hey man you can always come back don't worry about that so I didn't have this full like empty net tightrope walk whereas Tony Tony left a very lucrative industry on a whim knowing that he was going to succeed so here to break it all down the man who literally wrote the book on the side hustle, Tony Wadley. So let's get started. Tony Wadley is a business mentor, best-selling author, podcast host, and entrepreneur. He has led a dual career for the last 20 years in two distinct industries, oil and gas, and automotive performance. This was accomplished by starting businesses during his spare time as he's the author of Side Hustle Millionaire and the founder of 365 Driven. Tony helps everyday people and entrepreneurs find their true potential. Welcome into the Innovari podcast, Tony Watley. What's up, man? How are you?
1: man? Roy, thanks for having me on, dude. I can't wait to share some value with your audience, and I love the name of your show. By the way, it's very creative. Innovare.
0: Yeah, thanks. It. Uh, I would love to take full, full, uh, full credit for that. I had a little bit to do with it, but my marketing people are really good, and uh, let's just say that uh, they, they kind of kicked I, me, and they were like, "Dude, what are you doing with the, my old name? Was terrible." Um, <laughs> uh-huh. So it always pays to have a good, a good, uh, a good marketing guy out there. So. Uh, But dude, I love what you're doing. Like I, I, like I said, in the intro there, like I've been an admirer of yours from afar. Uh, We were a member of of similar groups and I've modeled my, a lot of the stuff that I'm doing after some of the stuff you're doing, like just the way that you've been able to catch people with like your backdrop right now, the way that's, purple and you show me that it turns to blue and like all this cool stuff, like this visual effects of this world that like, I'm still new to the podcasting world, but I think it's so cool how you've been able to grow a brand uh, and do what you've been able to do through social media outlets. And like, you're an engineer, right? Am I correct? Like that's your
1: background, right? Yeah. I'm a degreed mechanical engineer, but the odd thing about that is I actually struggled through engineering school. And I did that as a pursuit to get to the six figure salary range. And I've always been artistic and creative and like to build things with my hands and paint and draw and things like that. So I would say I'm very visual minded and very creative, although I do have the analytical background.
0: Yeah, very similar background to my myself. So I'm a software engineer, but I grew up, I don't know, drawing, painting, thinking that I I, I went originally to art school uh, <laughs> there and, you go. and was it, it wasn't good. Art I mean, 101 I
1: mean, the whole starving artist thing wasn't it, appealing to you. It was like, not. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I, don't I didn't why. want to be starving. It's like, <laughs> why do I have to be starving? Can't I just be an artist and get paid? No, not really. So. Right.
0: You know, they make it seem really cool when you're like building sculptures and stuff, but <laughs> I guess that's only 1%, right? So yeah. so let's dive into your backstory now. I, I know that every podcast starts out this way, but I do think it's important for people to learn kind of like who is Tony Watley. And why we should listen to to his great advice other than the fact that he's doing some really cool stuff like i, I was the origin
1: story right i, I love mm-hmm. the origin story so tell me who is tony watley well i'll say that i grew up in the texas area houston area right specifically and you know two hard-working parents blue-collar parents my dad served in the vietnam war at the u.s marines and i was actually born on a marine base in japan and you know we came to the united states when i was about one years old and my mom's a Japanese immigrant, and so she worked her entire career as a cafeteria worker in the public school systems, and my dad worked in the oil and gas refineries here in the Houston area. So I got to see the values of hard work and, and the struggle and growing up little or middle class and, and really the worst neighborhood of our, our city that we grew up in. And I got to understand that nothing was going to be handed to me, and if I wanted to figure out anything in life, whether that's money or success or anything that I needed to do, I'd have to figure out that for myself and my parents were always enabling me to do that. They never held me back there. I would give them a lot of credit for having me mentally strong and letting me know that I could do whatever I wanted to do. But I also just had to go do it. So I didn't have the allowance. I was I a was kid that was knocking doors, you know, 10 years old, mowing yards, washing cars, walking dogs, whatever I could, because if I wanted that newer video game or the skateboard or the BMX bike, I had to go figure out how to do that myself. And that's what I did. And I never complained about it. And it's funny because I've got friends that I've known since kindergarten, still good friends, and they've known me my entire life. And they said, I've always been the same where I just did the work and I didn't complain about it. And I've never complained about having to do the work. So, you know, my character has kind of transitioned and gone through that through my whole adult life. And, you know, that's what led me to going to college before we fired up the microphones. I told you about, you know, the engineering degree and going to school. And well, that was because when you grow up middle class, they always tell you that the goal is to go make a six-figure yeah. income. And that's been the goals, unfor- unfortunately, since like the 1960s. Yeah, And it's still a goal because I understand that the average household income is around $68,000 combined. And so a lot of people, their goals never hit that six-figure income. So i think, thinking, you know, that's the dream I have. I need to go figure out how to do that. The best way I could do that is go be a doctor, or a lawyer, or engineer. Mm-hmm. I have no interest in the medical profession personally. and didn't want to go be a lawyer. So I said, okay, I guess I'll go do an engineer thing. What do I want to do? I was like, well, I'm a car guy. I love cars. I love building cars, racing cars, and mechanical engineering kind of aligned with that. So that's what I did I forced myself to go to engineering school while working full-time construction in the Houston area and oil and gas refineries and waiting tables on the weekends and going to school at night. And it took me seven years to finally get out of school. And when I got out of school and worked in my big boy salary engineering job entry level back then, was probably about 45000 a year. I was getting home at 4:30 in the afternoon, I felt like I was working a part-time job. Yeah. You know, so for all these people that complain about working 40 hours a week thinking that's a lot, a lot of hours, after working full-time and going to school at night working two jobs, mm-hmm. it felt like a part-time job when I was getting home so early. So what I did I actually went back to the restaurant that I was managing before I graduated and picked up shifts as a waiter and a bartender while I had an engineering job. And then that led me to me starting to build websites and building different things and online businesses. And my first actual business was in 2001. So I just really try to be more productive with my time than sit around and watch TV. We didn't have Netflix back then, but we had blockbuster and videos and a lot of video games to distract you. But I just decided that I want to go make something more with my life rather than settle for what most people would settle for.
0: Yeah. I, I have a very similar Story with mine, where I so my dad straight up told me when I went off to college, he said, your job in college is to get a degree. You're you're there for school, which was spot on. And I'll probably tell my kids the same thing. But school in college is different than school in high school. Like in high school, you go and you're there and you have your eight hour day or whatever college. Some days I might not have class. Right. And and I'm like, I got to this point where it's like, I got to get a job. And then I, and then same to you, like I so I would DJ in college and so I would I would go to go to class and then I would night, have night classes and then I would go to work and I would work from eight o'clock until two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning. And then so literally 20 hour days is what I was used to. And I got out of I got out of college and I got my job and and it was like, what do you mean? I am just here for eight hours. What am I supposed to do? You it was just part-time stuff. Right. And I, I picked up side work and I I did these side projects. And um, you know, that's where web design and all this other stuff I started DJing more and go. I served weighted tables and I had multiple jobs. And we talked about, the, about that beforehand, where it was that's I was in the radio industry, and you don't get really paid in the industry. You have to work multiple things. And so that gets into side hustles, right? And so mm-hmm. you wrote a whole book on this, literally. So what is a side hustle millionaire? And is, is it that it come from your belief of just filling hours out because you felt like you were not working a full time job?
1: I think it's important to understand that I never I never believed that I would become a multimillionaire. I just never believed that because I mean, literally, my dad was the first person in our family to have a house that didn't have wheels attached to it. So when you understand that and and my mom, Japanese heritage, they grew up working on farms. So. I saw wealthy people in our town, but I didn't think that was going to be me. And I always thought these things like it takes money to make money. And it also thought, thought that to be a business owner, you had to already be wealthy because that required you to go build a storage or, or a front storefront on a main street and hire people and all these things. So they they kind of limit your belief in the public school system that it's not possible, at least in my generation. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it was like, I just got to figure out how to do something. So I didn't have these big thoughts. I didn't go into starting a business thinking about making millions of dollars, but that's important because a lot of people, I understand that perspective. They don't have those thoughts and that's okay. That's normal. Okay. But the thing is when I started my first online business, which was in the car space, I just wanted to build a community for people to hang out and talk about the cars that we enjoyed, which back then were the Corvettes, the Camaros and the Firebirds that we were driving around, me and my friends. So, man, if I build this online community, we can all go online and talk about these things and teach each other how to make them faster and drive better and make them look cooler and things like that. And to give you a perspective of how small I was thinking, because I had that engineering career, right? Mm -hmm. I just wanted to make $500 a month. And most people hear that and like, what? And I was like, where does that come from? Well, that was the car note of the Trans Am that I'd bought when I graduated college. Uh, It was about $500 a month. And I said, you know, if I could get a free air quotes car out of this cool website and we could talk about cars and hang out, like that's a win-win. And I had one business partner up in Chicago and he thought the same thing. And he had a brand new Camaro SS, $500 a month. It's like, dude, that'd be cool. It'd be like having a free car. So that's why we started the thing, okay? We weren't thinking about LLC and branding and all this stuff and you know, growing and scaling it. We didn't have any clue about that stuff. I was still in my twenties at the time and didn't have mentors that did this kind of stuff. And i just kind of learned by reading books and it started growing and it started growing and we started doing things the right way. And it grew and grew and grew and it grew to over 300,000 registered members. And we sold that in 2007 for a couple million dollars cash. And the thing is, is that that whole thing grew and scaled because we were doing so many of the right things, just doing the right things, not the easy things. And within the first 10 months, it was already making about $10,000 profit per month. Wow. So the $500 initial idea became a $10,000 per month return. And we're like, Oh crap. And it was only till that point, we started thinking, wow, we made a need to go create one of those LLC or corp things. Like we got to figure this out. So we didn't have all the answers when we got started. Okay. And that's what I want to give people the ideas. Like you don't have to have all the answers to get started. And that's what holds most people back is they, they just study and study and study and read and read and read. And they listen to a thousand podcasts and they read books like my side hustle millionaire. And they, they just fortify themselves with information, but they never actually take that first step to get started. And that's the biggest mistake you'll find is you have to start. And then you're going to figure it out. Every entrepreneur that's good, it figures it out as they go. I don't think you have all the answers before you start which is a tough lesson right because
0: preparation is king. you hear that a lot right well preparation is king but you can over prepare yeah. oh yeah <laughs> right where you just and then you start talking yourself out of it and you're like oh man well i'm not i'm not good enough to do this i'm not whatever i'm not smart enough i'm not this i don't have much money i don't know. but the truth is that and i liken it to parenthood i don't know if you have any do you have, uh children yeah, or
1: got one son he's almost 21
0: yeah. So he's just a little kid. Right. So. Yeah. <laughs> right. So like when you're when, in parenting, you know, people always try to, oh, well, I'm not ready to have kids. I'm not ready to do this. I'm not ready. To... And maybe you're not. Right. But but nobody's really ready to be a parent. No. You figure it out as you go. The number one piece of advice I always tell parents and new parents because they always ask me, I have four kids. And so of my friends, I started really early. I had I, my first kid. I was 24. And so. Mm. A lot of people always come and ask me, Roy, like, what do I, you know, first kid, what do I do? You have any advice? I'm like, dude, my number one piece of advice is don't listen to anybody's advice because <laughs> everyone's only going to speak on their own, whatever, yeah. their own perspective, their own kid, which you're going to figure it out. It's in your nature to figure it out. That's a, the fight or flight type of mentality. And if you care enough raising a child, you're going to care. And so you're going to put your time into it. Then you'll figure it out. Same thing with a business. You know, you'll figure it out, man. Like if somebody else is going to give you advice and they're going to say, oh, you're going to you're going to fall for 10 years. Well, that was their experience. That doesn't mean yeah. that you're destined for that. So yep. I, I bring that back to say it, to write to on man, where, where you're saying. The the pieces of advice and, and the, the 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 you have to go do it. That's the number one thing in my mind is just to get off your butt. Mm -hmm. Right, And so you talk about constructive consistency and how it always wins. And so I saw that in your uh, core values and thought, I need to ask them to break this down because I want to know what constructive consistency is and and how you, because you obviously care about it a lot to put it in your core values. So what is constructive
1: consistency? I would say that consistency is my favorite word, and that's the result of everything that I've ever achieved. Looking back, it's always based on consistency and being patient for the results, being very driven, but being patient. Okay, And and the things that I see most people do, even in the space we're in right now, podcasting, speaking, building a personal brand, launching a company or fitness, all these things require consistency over time to get results. Most people want to skip the time part. And they go really hard. I mean, how many times we see podcast guys, you and I probably know a lot of people in common, They go, man, Roy, Tony, I want to launch a podcast because you guys are killing it. And I want to see this stuff. And they get all hyped up and they go buy the microphone and they set the backdrop and they go hire the logo designer and they get it listed on Spotify and iTunes. And then they go to like four episodes and they quit. Right. And I'm like, well, why did you quit, man? Like you were doing so well. Like, ah, oh, no one's listening. No one's literally listening. I wasn't getting enough downloads per month, so it was a waste of my time. I wasn't ranked. Yeah, right? uh, yeah, yeah. I didn't get top 100 on the first week. And I'm, I'm thinking, dude, that's the number one problem with people who do start something. So I applaud, give a golf clap to people who actually did start something. But the thing that you have to understand is that most people quit too early. And whenever you're starting anything new, it seems like about a two, two to three month is where I've seen most people in my life start something really hard, go hard at it. Two to three months, it starts to taper off, and then they kind of disappear, and they don't do it anymore, and they hope that nobody notices. But here's the problem. We do notice, because we see you go hard, extremely hard, and doing something that's outside of your norm. And at first, we're supporting you. We're like, hey, that's cool, man. And then after we kind of got over the buzz of seeing you do something new, we're like, oh, cool. We'll just see how it plays out, because now we go into skepticism mode as an observer. And the thing is, is most people... Had to understand that people are watching them in silence until you earn their trust. And you earn their trust by consistently showing up and delivering value every single day over a period of time. So I'll tell you that even with the clients I work with, the the sweet spots between six to 12 months. If you can show up every single day, including weekends, don't be weak like that. Talk about weekdays and weekend days. It's all every day, 365 Mm -hmm. driven. Show up six months minimum. Commit to doing that, and you're going to start to see a turning point where people are finally starting to support you again because now you've proven your consistency over time. Even if you felt like nobody was watching, you're still doing this stuff. People are going to start to show up because they go, man, this person is serious. They're actually committed because most people would have quit three months ago, like the 80% of the losers out there that do that. But this person, here they are. They're showing up every day. They're delivering value. They stick up the same positive attitude. They're contributing things. They're trying to make an effort. They're improving watching them literally transform before my eyes about that's when I start liking your posts and mm-hmm. responding to some of the things you're doing. And about 12 months in, they're talking even more and they're telling their friends about you and they're tagging you all over the internet. And that's what I noticed about 18 months in of doing these videos and creating podcasts and things like that is that now I'm tagged like every single day, like a hundred times a day all over the internet, I don't know these people. And I know, I don't see them following me on my personal feeds, but I know that they're listening. And that's the thing that's awesome. I think that's if you want to get your message out there and there's a purpose behind what you're doing, you got to just see it through. And, and I find that the consistency is what wins. And me knowing that 90% of the people are going to quit, I am just going to have to outlast them. And if you understand that principle and that mathematics and that, that thing that keeps you showing up, you realize that if I can beat 90% of the people who are going to enter the same space just by la- outlasting them and outworking them, that's that's an easy win because it's, it removes the uncertainty. Knowing they're going to quit anyways, if I can just last, I have a very good option, a good good chance to succeed on the backside of this. And that's that's what I've done for every business, every fitness journey, clients, everything is always about just that that time period. You got to show up every day.
0: Absolutely, man. And it, and it's small steps. I, there were there's a there's two things that I want to touch on, on that on that. What you just said, it's just so great. The first thing is uh, I've heard this quote, this sentence repeated so many times. And every time I hear it, I I kind of cringe a little bit Is I heard it's better to burn out than rust out, which. Why are those the only two options?
1: I don't like either of those either. I don't like that. I, I, I think I'd rather, I I rather rust out if I was gonna pick, because that means that you actually had a a longer lifespan of useful use right. <laughs> before before you rusted, which is age. We're all rusting essentially, right?
0: Yeah, I heard that a couple of weeks ago and I was like, well, why are those your only two options? And yeah. that's that's where you get into consistency, is those, those small little steps. Like you just have to get one percent better. You're not burning out, and you're certainly not rusting out if you're continuing to move forward so that i i didn't, I didn't like that and, and and so that answer where you're talking about those consistency those small steps is perfect i love that and the second thing that you talked about uh, is purpose and so you you've mentioned that you you want to turn your profit your, your turn your purpose into profit which sounds great but how do i discover my my purpose how, like wh- i don't know where to start
1: tony how do, how do i find my purpose that's a tough question. And I think that it changes over time. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think it. each decade of your life, let's say your teens, your twenties, your thirties, your forties, fifties, and so on, your purpose is going to shift a little bit each time. And you talked about earlier about having children, even after having children, your purpose changes a little bit more. You start to take things a little bit more serious. You start to think about raising people that are observing you and being a good example of them. Yeah, so I understand that The whole what's the meaning of life and what are the purpose? Those kind of questions are really hard to answer for everybody, and I don't think that anyone has the right answer for that. You have to discover that for yourself. So you're you're asking how to discover that. Well, for me, I discovered that in a car accident. Actually, I race cars. Mm -hmm. 2015, I was in a major accident when I was racing at a a drag strip, and I hit a concrete wall at 130 miles per hour in a two-door sports car. And in that moment, approaching the wall. I literally said to myself, well, here I go, because I thought I was going to die on that impact. I mean, it was just bad odds of hitting a car that small, a concrete Jersey bear at 130 miles per hour. And, you know, I, I survived and I had no injuries. And I started thinking to myself, why am I still here? Because the entire car was demolished. The front of the car was caved in up to the windshield. Every panel was bashed in and two wheels were actually literally off the car. And I was very calm. I've always been calm in these kind of situations and, and high stress situations, but the paramedic at the track, she, you know, inspected me and was asking me questions to see if I had a concussion and things like that. And I was answering very clearly. And, and she said at the end of the inspection, she goes, can I tell you something? And I thought, man, what is she going to tell me? Is there some injury that I don't know about? She's going to tell me now. And she just goes, you're remarkably calm. For someone that's been in a major accident, people crash out here every night and they're usually got the the shakes from the adrenaline rush and their, their heart rates elevated, everything about me, my vitals were completely calm. And I said, I am calm. And I didn't know why. Okay. Because I've never been in a major accident before like that. But what it was going through my mind is I should have died. I should have died. Why am I still here? Why am I still here? Okay. And then that led to the next series of thoughts. What if I would have died? And then that led to the next series of thoughts. What would people have thought about me had I died? How would I be remembered? And, And I would challenge anybody that's watching this or listening to this to go through that mortality exercise. Just set aside some time. And this is what I tell people to do. If you really want to go through an emotional journey to see what your purpose is, write out your obituary. Write out what someone would write out with someone that you truly love, or maybe your best friend or a family member would read at your funeral. If you were to die today, not tomorrow, not when you're 80 today, like just like all stop everything that you've achieved or not achieved in your life. If it came to a stop today, because no time is guaranteed, what would they say about you? And if you're very truthful about that, you're going to, you're going to tear up and you're going to start to think about things that you thought you should have achieved. If you were to pass away today. And you're going to think about all the regrets that you look back on for the things you didn't try versus the things that you tried and failed. And you're going to think about, am I really doing something or am I really creating a real impact in this world or am I just consuming and being a consumer in this world? And for me, the answer was, you know, I would have been remembered as the nice guy that had a bunch of cool cars, because all I had to do was go look back at people that have passed away. My friends in the racing scene, the motorcycle scene passed away in the recent years. It happens quite often. How are they remembered? And it was always nice guy, had cool cars, gone too soon. Hope they're racing upstairs with the big man. you know. And to me, it's like, that's good, but is that enough? Hmm. And the answer for me was glaringly obvious. That's not enough. Like being a nice guy with cool cars, it's very superficial. And I just thought about, man, I need to do more with my life. So I actually left my oil and gas career back in 2015. You know, It was a multiple six-figure salary income. And I said, I need to go bet on myself and do things that I actually believe in. And so I didn't know what the answers were again. I just said, I, I, this it's not the oil industry. I'm, I'm tired of being in that industry. It's treating me rotten, It's cyclical, and I don't have a lot of control over things, even though they pay me enough to kind of show up and hang out. And so I said, okay, what do I want to do? So for the next two years, luckily, I put myself in a financial situation to be able to afford that. I just worked from home and I took contract jobs and I – wrote my book and just kind of did things and thought about what I want to do for the rest of my life. And for me, discovering purpose, it was okay. That's the purpose for me is it's, it's centered around the word impact, okay? And if I go, okay, I don't want to say what pur- what is my purpose? I want to say, what is my impact? What, what can I do to impact this world and leave a positive lasting legacy had I died, right? So you start thinking about, okay, now it's impact, not purpose. It's something I can actually think about. And most people think that they're too small to make some kind of impact, but that's not true at all. Everybody's got the same capabilities to make a big impact. You just have to find the time and the consistency to build that. And so I said, okay, there's two things I have a lot of passion for, the cars and business. I was literally the little kid that would go to Kroger's with my mom and go to the magazine rack while she was shopping. And I would read Hot Rod magazine and I would read Forbes magazine and entrepreneurship magazines. And And I didn't understand business, but I was interested in it. And I was always trying to figure things out. And I didn't understand all the terminology, but I was trying to learn. And I figured that was a pathway to make some financial success, which led to happen. So I said, okay, cars and business. Well, everybody knows about my cars. Now I'm going to teach them how I had all those cars, right? So I'm going to teach people about this stuff because I've helped people in the last 15 years start businesses that became multimillionaires themselves. And they were always telling me that I should be teaching this stuff, but I didn't want to stand in front of a camera. Had a very comfortable life. I didn't like my recorded voice. I didn't, I like taking photos, but I never liked being on the other side of the camera. And so the insecurities and the fears from the potential critics is what kept me from standing out in the light. And so I decided that that point that my purpose, my impact is going to be more important than my fears. So that's when I started writing the book to help more people get that knowledge to be able to start and scale and exit their business. And I thought, well, Now I need to become the right person to carry this message. So I invested in leadership and public speaking training with Toastmasters and I had a speaking coach and I did videos every single day for over a year just to get better because I knew that if my message was as important as I thought, I needed to be doing everything that's possible within my capability to get that message out there. And so that's what I decided in 2017. I launched 365 Driven. I said, I'm going to build an entrepreneurship community and help people just find the belief and the good business fundamentals to be able to start their first business or scale the business that they're currently in, because I've had such good success at that. And I've applied large communities of hundreds of thousands of members that I've led. I'm going to build one for millions of entrepreneurs because I'm comfortable in that role with large groups under, you know, in my, in my brand. So I just combined the skills that I had and the, the biggest impact I was going to help in this world was by helping millions of people with their business and their confidence. And that's why I started.
0: And so you mentioned a couple of things there that that I want to circle back on, one of which would be fear. You had, mm-hmm. you had mentioned that you're weighing your impact against your fears. And so I, I, I always say and I wish I had made it up, but it's something I regurgitate is a fear is a liar right? Mm-hmm. Fear is is the lies and the insecurities and the learned behavior uh, that we tell ourselves that is just meant to give ourselves excuses and to hold us back. And so how did you deal with your fears? How, how, when you're weighing that impact versus fear, how do you deal with fears? How do you deal with those self-talk of those, that negative highlight reel that people talk so much about?
1: Well, first of all, I'd like to say that Fears are definitely an emotion that are imaginary. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you some advice from looking from the other side of that fence right now, but then I'm going to go back on the other side of the fence and maybe a lot of listeners are on because I understand that perspective. It wasn't that long ago. Most people talk about the fear of failure. They, they want to talk about like, I don't want to do this because I could fail and it, it's not true. There's no such thing as fear of failure. Okay the real fear is not the failure itself. It's the fear of what other people are going to say about your failure. It's the fear of what other critics are going to talk about you or think about you based on that failure. So let's say you get fired from your job. If, If anybody's listening or watching this, they may have lost their job from layoffs or got fired, or maybe the company closed and they're jobless and you feel like you're unemployed. I want you to think about going back to that emotional state for a moment and, and feeling what you felt in that moment. One, you were scared because you didn't know where your income was going to come. Two, you felt like a failure to society because you were jobless, right? And you maybe not even wanted to tell like your, your friends or your family that you were unemployed and you're hoping that you would just find another job and then everybody would be like, oh, cool, congrats on the new job. But you didn't want to have to go through the unemployment side of things. So understanding that it's like the fear of loss and what people other people think is what keeps people from starting so many different things. And let's say that you're in a severe financial debt and you want to go start a company. You realize it's going to have to take you a lot of time and effort just to get back to zero on the debt scale. And that's a lot of work just to to zero. Let's say if you're morbidly obese or you're completely out of shape, maybe you were fit when you're young, but you let yourself go you're looking at the scale of where you're at versus where you'd like to be on the positive side. And you're realizing that it's going to take a lot of work just to get to zero, just to get to even. You're going to have to put in a lot of time and dedication and effort. And that's what keeps most people starting as well. And you got to understand that everybody has to do that. Everybody has to go through those struggles to be able to get successful. And you know, for me, the fear of criticism and all that, like it's true, it happens. And, and here's the other side I'm going to teach you that you know, don't fear critics and haters and naysayers. I want you to encourage you to go find them. Okay. Because there's a lot of people that pride themselves in being likable and everybody likes me and I don't have any haters and critics. And I think that's a good thing. Okay. They they pat themselves on the back and they feel all jolly about that. Probably lying to themselves a little bit. But the truth is, is that until you do something actually worth noticing you're not going to have any critics or haters. That's why you don't have any is because you're not doing anything worth noticing. You're just existing. Okay. You're obscure. Nobody knows you. You're not making any kind of impact other than maybe for yourself for selfish reasons. So the thing is, once you start to do things that people notice and you start to stand out in the spotlight a little bit more guaranteed, you will have critics and haters. I had some people that I knew for 15, 20 years that turned out to be haters and naysayers and critics because of their own insecurities of Mm -hmm. obviously, But they came out of the woodworks and they started just saying these little snarky things and passive aggressive statements. And like, are you sure you want to do that? Like, I wouldn't do that. Like, are you crazy? Why would you leave that behind? And stuff like that. They're just trying to talk you off of that because they don't really care about you. What they're uncomfortable with is, is themselves. Okay, when you start to do things to improve your own life, when you're climbing, when you're doing things, whether it's fitness or business or starting something new that's outside your norm, Initially, they'll give you the golf clap like they support you, but then they'll talk about, you know, negatively about you behind your back with the other friends who aren't doing anything. Because what happens is your light starts to get bigger and you start to glow brighter. It, it highlights all the darkness on them that they're not doing things because they know within this, it's within their capabilities to do exactly what you're doing and you're exemplifying it by showing proof of it what it's doing is making them feel worse about themselves because they know that they're not doing it. So rather than being inspired by your actions and your transformation, they're going to throw rocks at you to try to keep you down at their level. And I've seen this at every financial set, set, system I can think of. Like This doesn't just happen with poverty people or middle-class people. I've seen people that have net worth millions still act the same behaviors. So you have got to understand this is human behaviors, but you're going to have those critics you're going to have those haters, maybe in the people that you know the most, will be those people, maybe have some family members as well, but you understand that in my group, we celebrate the haters because when you go get your haters, that means you actually are doing something finally worth noticing.
0: I, yeah, man. Amen on that. So I want to circle back to, and I, I know that uh, we're coming up on time here and I told you I'd have you out of here on time and I will, will keep that, but I wanted to circle back to to something you you had mentioned earlier that plays on that is you said, uh, you know, about creating goals and that timeline of, of a year. And so it's a it's a long thought process that I didn't make up. That is you're going to overestimate what you can do in a year and underestimate what you can do in five years. So when you're setting these goals of a year or five years or whatever, how do we
1: set them and how big should they be? Hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of different schools of thoughts around goal setting. Sometimes people will tell you to set achievable goals, and then yeah. some people are like, set unachievable goals. Otherwise, you can come up short and still be way ahead. I get there's different schools of thought, but I think that a lot of my success comes through the project management I had for offshore industry. Okay, I was managing 100 to 500 million dollar type contracts, and a lot of moving parts, international, 75 to 100 people. Got Companies in the United States and in France and England and Africa, and I was managing all these different things, a lot of moving parts, high risk. We got in the installation phase, we're burning $2 million a day, so you got to make sure everything's right, right? And so I've learned that a project is something that's defined as it has a deliverable And it has a date of that deliverable and you have a a level of quality and expectations for that deliverable, whatever that project may be. Well, if you apply those same principles to your business or whatever you're building, your podcast, your book, it needs to have a date. It needs to have a a due date, a level of quality and expectations, and it needs to have a list of everything that you would like to have identified. So once you identify that and you look at the time that you have remaining to do that, Is there a logical order of steps that you have to do in a certain amount of time each to achieve that goal? The answer is yes. Okay, so if you don't have enough time, there's ways to solve that. You can either add more resources, which is meaning farm some work out or spend more money, or you just have to be realistic and do some more stuff yourself or work longer hours. There's a lot of ways to get to the right answer or you just give yourself a little bit more time. But there needs to be a firm date there. Okay, so I don't believe in setting unachievable goals because as a project manager for 20 something years, I want achievable projects. So I put things on a realistic timeline and I block out that time. And that's the other thing most people don't live with is a calendar, vast majority of the population. We talked about earlier, about they just go to the eight to five job and that's their calendar for the day. And they don't think about anything else, but the successful people, everyone that I've ever met that become millionaires they live on a schedule every single day. I have a schedule every single day. I just use my Gmail app. It's a free calendar app attached to my email address and I fill in slots for the podcast and time that I'm writing for the next book and then the creative zone. So the fitness, everything that's important to you needs to be on a calendar every single day so you know what to do within that time frame in the day. And even social time. People think about, you know, like I want to spend more time with family and friends. Like if that's important to you, put it on your calendar. Hey, Thursday night at seven to nine, I'm going to go dinner with this person, you know? So guard that time. Once it's on your thing, you start to learn some discipline and you're also going to start to find out where you're wasting an incredible amount of time. And you're going to be able to make excuses and hold yourself accountable. Cause like, dude, I didn't get this done, but look, I sat on the couch and binged watch Netflix for three hours the other day. So that, that's why I'm behind three hours. So until you start to measure things and keep yourself accountable on a calendar every single day, even weekends, then you're never going to be able to figure out why, why you're not achieving things. So always measurable. And and we try to set 90 day goals and we just monitor those 90 days at a time leading up to maybe a one year goal. Yeah.
0: I love that. Yeah. I break goals down big time. And, I, and I, like we mentioned in the beginning of the show, I come from the engineering world as well. So that reverse engineering of goals was something yeah. that I took from my professional world and started implementing them into my, my personal life to say, okay, I want to buy a house. Okay. I want to do this. Okay. I want to pay off my debt and reverse engineering it down to what daily step can I take? What two week measurable can I put in place? So all good stuff, man. And I, I love the engineer mind. I love that. It's such, it's so cool. And it's so cool to see you can take things from the engineering world and take it out of that, uh, you know, those verbiage that scares a lot of people. And put it into everyday talk uh, and take real action. I love it. And so, with that, how can people find Tony Watley and how can people get in touch with you?
1: My website is 365driven.com. And from there, you'll find links to all my social media and my best selling book and my podcast, which is called 365 Driven. also have an entrepreneurship community called The Society. And you'll find all that information there, 365driven.com. Good stuff.
0: Guys, go check him out. Like I said, a lot of what you see. Here at Inavare is driven from that man right there. Tony, thank you so much for coming on, man. I really, really appreciate it.
1: Hey, Roy, thanks for having me on, buddy
0: thanks for checking out another episode of the Innovare podcast you can listen to all episodes at InnovarePodcast.com, on itunes spotify or wherever your podcasts are found if you enjoy watching podcasts check us out on youtube for a visual behind the scenes look at all Innovare podcast episodes we have recently released a community of entrepreneurs find us on facebook at Inivari Mindset. That's Innovare Mindset to join the private group of entrepreneurs changing the world. Until next time, guys. See ya.